Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's broadcast, Differences Between Revival and Transformation or some people are using the term reformation. And I know that sometimes these are just semantics, but we really have to understand that transformation and reformation, we'll start there, are really two different things. Reformation is really the the reforming of something, where transformation is more of a total transformation, a conclusion into something that is absolutely not what it once was. When we give our lives to Christ, We aren't really reformed, we're actually fully transformed into another image. This is really, really important to understand. Also, when we talk about the term reformation, reformations typically are used to describe, or the word reformation is used to describe the reforming of the church. Reformation is attributed to the change of of the body of Christ, not necessarily to society. So transformation is a really important big word because we're talking about all of society being transformed into the image of something else, into the image of the kingdom of God. That's what makes that word so powerful. Now when we talk about differences between revival and transformation, one of the most important differences that we'll begin at is that revival typically revives the church, revives the person. We are revived from a state of slumber or even death, you could say. Revival is like the alarm clock going off. We we get woken up to something. Revival is like the lights being turned on, where we were in darkness or lacked in some area. Suddenly somebody switched on the lights and we are woken up to something. And you see that that's really just starting point terminology. Of course, we want to live in revival every day. We want to live a revival lifestyle. And when people say that, what they're really talking about is we want to live in the highest level of of godliness and all that God is. We want to live in the highest level possible. So when God revives his church, think of it just like those power paddles that shock somebody who's who's dead or almost dead, they're suddenly just, they're woken up and they become revived. Somebody who's unconscious or was drowning, I know these are interesting terms, but somebody does mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and the person is revived. Well, once they're revived, they get up off the floor and begin to walk and do life. And that's where transformation comes in. Transformation actually is taking every sphere of society, everywhere that Jesus paid for, because he said in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So all of the earth really should be transformed into the image of the kingdom of God. His dream was thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? Not just in your church, but on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, we see this as far back as the Garden of Eden. When you look at the word garden there, Eden, uh, it actually, the word is a 
complex word in Hebrew, but it has to do with a doorway. The Garden of Eden really was an open portal, a concentration of God's glory and kingdom. It was heaven on earth housed within a garden. And it's so wonderful that God gave man a commission and said, be fruitful, multiply, don't just fill the garden, fill the earth and subdue it. He was talking about more than just having babies <laughs> and giving birth to children. He was talking about multiplying and taking the glory, taking the revival, if we could call it that, that was inside the garden, out beyond the four walls of the garden, into every sphere of life, into the whole earth. And that's why when we lost the glory, the prophets began to prophesy that one day the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Well, how is this going to happen? How will the earth be transformed this way? It's you and I who have been revived, taking the spirit and principles of the kingdom out beyond the four walls of the garden, I mean church, <laughs> into society until it is transformed. Revival really is the beginning. Transformation or the discipling of nations is the goal. So revival, we could say, one of the fundamental differences is revival redeems the man. When you gave your life to Christ, you got saved. Redi revival redeemed you. Revival redeems the man and the woman. We need to include that. But revival redeems the man, and transformation redeems all of society. So when we talk about differences between revival and transformation, we see that revival sends the fire out there. And, and revival very much functions on the wings of grace and the supernatural and the moving of the spirit in our churches and our lives. Whereas transformation hinges upon principles. It's actually kingdom principles that transform society. Societies don't necessarily rise and fall on current revivals, past revivals, coming revivals. Nations rise and fall uh, and become more godly based on the values and principles they are founded upon. You may have heard it said that a nation is not great by virtue of its wealth, but by the wealth of its virtues. Or righteousness, meaning the righteous principles of the kingdom of God, righteousness exalts a nation. <laughs> Prayer meetings do not exalt the nation. Righteous principles infused into society and held there by systems. Or believers going out and possessing gates and key positions of influence, when we carry the spirit of grace, we being revived, and now when we go out and bring the principles of the kingdom and the lifestyle into society, the society begins to look more like the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Revival is the life, but transformation is the lifestyle. The principles of the kingdom are the lifestyle of God being lived out outside of the church. Good for you that you've got great fires going in your church services. You've got revival happening. Now it's time to strategically take it out there for the redemption and transformation of the society. Another difference between revival and transformation is revivals generally have a lifespan. They have a time or they have a season when God breathes upon something sovereignly for his purposes but revivals generally come to an end at some point, and they always come to an end for a purpose. I mean, sometimes man dips their hand in there, and we see 
We see the enemy creep in and stop what God is doing. But generally, God breathes on a moment. He breathes on a season. And we become revived. And now he's got to stop it because if he doesn't, we're just going to sit there in church and enjoy it without going out and fulfilling the mandate. So revivals tend to have a bit of a lifespan, whereas transformation has impact for generations. Oh, <laughs> I wish I could talk about this longer, but when a society begins to be transformed, it actually has generational impact and systemic impact that just doesn't stop anytime soon. Woo! <laughs> you know, a, a good example of this, as I've said before, is when Japan began to adopt certain Christian principles after World War II because um, the Americans came and began to infuse the culture with Christian principles, the Japanese economy shot through the roof, and that has had impact for generations. Think of it the same way that debt, a nation's debt, lasts for generations. What your parents did or grandparents did or what the government did at that time as it relates to money actually impacts for generations on a, on a total systemic level. In the same way, when a society begins to be transformed, the business sector, education, that's a good example, you know, family dynamic, uh, sports, arts and entertainment, when culture is transformed, it impacts your children, your children's children, their children. And, and that's where believers must begin to hold in place these values that have been brought to the world. <laughs> a long time ago, Hollywood, before they would release their movies into society, the, the movies had to be approved by a board of pastors and Christians to see if it was appropriate for the culture. At some point, these pastors said, you know what? We're more concerned with what's happening in our churches. And they left those gates. Well, what happened? Another kingdom rushed in, the kingdom of darkness, and now we are reaping the results of something our forefathers did. This is why it's so important that we act now and we act beyond the four walls. That's a big difference between revival and transformation. Another important difference that I want to highlight today is that revival doesn't necessarily occupy territory. Revival visits like a fire, it visits like a wind, we carry it within us, but it doesn't necessarily occupy earthly, tangible dimensions. Think of it like a wind blowing through. Even though Holy Spirit is not a wind, he's a person. But think of revival like an explosion of life and the stuff of God, but it has a lifespan. Transformation act actually occupies territory. When the principles of the kingdom are taken out into our jobs, to our workplace, to every sphere of life, you can actually begin to create programs, changes in law, changes in education, changes in, in finances. You can literally make history out there and, and, and occupy territory. As long as you're in position, as long as your program is functioning, as long as your charity is active, you can actually occupy territory with the principles of the kingdom of God and begin to make, make that sphere of life resemble the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah! <laughs> so we actually can be catalysts of change that, that occupies and remains. This is what we're called to do. It's why Jesus said you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. 
light of the world, you are the revival. Turn the lights on for the world. But, but you are the salt of the earth had to do with salt seasoning and penetrating the meat because they didn't have refrigerators back then. The salt would go in and preserve the meat. Jesus is saying you are to occupy every sphere of society, preserving it, transforming it into the image and likeness of the kingdom of God. Another difference between revival and societal transformation is that revival sometimes it's difficult to translate it into language, behavior that the unsaved and different sectors of society can relate to. We do a lot inside our churches when revival hits that even God is smart enough that some of those things make it difficult for the world to come to know the Lord. But the principles and the truth of the kingdom are, are applicable to the world. They want those things. They want honesty. They want love. They want, you know, all the principles of the kingdom of God translate well out there. Everybody can relate to it. And when they begin to enjoy the principles of the kingdom and the benefits of those principles, wow, they want to meet the king of that kingdom. <laughs> Lastly, one of the greatest differences between revival and transformation, if you'd allow me to say it this way, prior to the Great Commission, prior to the cross, there was sort of a commission which was, you know, preach the gospel, uh, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and sort of keep it in the house of Israel, kind of keep it in the Garden of Eden and, and just reform the house of Israel. <laughs> but after Jesus was raised from the dead, he gives a great commission, which now is not limited to just signs and wonders and inside the church. Now he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and disciple nations. Does that mean that signs and wonders stop? No. Does that mean that we stop casting out demons and we stop edifying and blessing the church? No. It means that we add to the repertoire and actually now we can use our faith and all that God has given us for the total discipling of people groups. <laughs> Not just evangelizing the person. Revival often is attached to evangelism. Revival so revives people that they go out the doors and want to tell everybody about Jesus and you have waves and repercussions of evangelism. But evangelism on its own will never be enough to disciple a whole nation. A discipling a nation means the kingdom of God, the spirit and the principles become systemic within the society until a new culture emerges, a culture that looks like heaven. Well, that's discipling nations. Jesus said, now that I have authority everywhere, not limited to a garden, not limited to Jewish people, not limited to, uh, to your church building, go and disciple whole people groups. This is where the power of revival and transformation can really be seen because now revived people take what we have. We go out with both grace and truth, the principles of the kingdom, into the society, into every gate, every sphere, and an entire nation can not only meet Jesus, but look what it says, after discipling nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. 
<laughs> this is so powerful. Revival generally highlights the signs and wonders, the miraculous grace of God in a moment, but transformation is now teaching people groups to observe another value system. Woo! <laughs> we still have signs and wonders and all that great stuff, but you're literally teaching them to observe. It doesn't mean that they all get saved, but you still disciple the nation in this is the righteous way to live. Even if they all don't accept Christ, you introduce the principles of the kingdom that transform a society. You teach them to observe those biblical kingdom principles that are foundational for the blessing of any society. <laughs> and the culture is transformed. You know, I wish I had more time on this today because it's so powerful. But I'll leave you with this thought that when... Jesus said, now all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and disciple nations. We who are revived actually should steer our faith for more than just signs and wonders, but for whole nations to come into identity with God, being baptized, immersed in, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We should have faith for nations, not just for signs and wonders. We should have faith for the transformation of people groups, not just for revival of our local church. And I challenge you to do that today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.